Hello and good evening. Welcome to another episode of Between the Presets, a podcast by me, Rudy Stetner, that comes out every Monday evening. Here is the place where anything that can be said in polite company is fair game for discussion, even if it occasionally offends. Let's roll. Good evening. Today is Tuesday. September 26th. I'm a day late in recording this podcast because yesterday was Yom Kippur, Monday, a day when I would uh, normally be recording sometime during the day. I think a lot about the inventions that have blossomed in my lifetime, uh, most notably digital photography, um, computers, uh, which it's really a misnomer because to compute means to, I guess, crunch numbers to uh, arrive at a figure regarding something. For instance, compute one's expenses for the day or for the week or to figure out one's, compute one's bank balance Uh, compute the area of one's property or something of the sort. Even the term telephone, as many of us experienced this, has become outdated. When I was a child, a telephone was a device for uh, calling somebody up and talking with them. Today, People shop, people watch movies, people send text notes, people go on WhatsApp, Facebook, some people spend a fraction of the time on their so-called telephones actually talking and most of their time doing other things. Going back in time uh, of the advent of photography, we now have what's called high-speed film, which makes it possible for us to take a picture of somebody who's jumping up in the air and catching them with their feet off the ground in mid-jump. Back in the 1800s, such speed didn't exist. I once saw a picture of the Western Wall. I think it was made about the 1870s. And there were no people in the photograph at all. It was a still photograph. And the note on the, underneath the photograph stated that there were, in fact, quite a few people there. But the speed of the film was so slow that if somebody did not sit or stand absolutely still without moving, that they would not be captured in the photograph. So maybe one or two people in this photograph of the Western Wall made it into the photograph because they were 
standing in prayer in front of the wall, so still that the camera was actually able to capture their uh, image. I also, uh, I also saw a photograph of um, a Paris thoroughfare, Large Street, which had the appearance of having been deserted in the middle of the day. And again, all the people in rapid motion didn't show in the photographs. Now, the first war to make it into still photographs, or at least one of the first, was the American Civil War. And most of those shots are posed portraits of, like, soldiers sitting in a chair, or, unfortunately, the dead. But the motion pictures that we have come to take for granted didn't exist at that time. If I had to come up with a name for the so-called cell phone that I'm holding, I would call it a pocket computer. But that would be out of date because it does far more than compute. My parents grew up as children in an era when the automobile was just starting to become widely owned. I think their births were predated by or close to the time of the Model T, which was the first attempt to really make automobiles a mass phenomenon. So when you think about it, uh, when they were growing up, there was plenty of vocabulary for, at least in the minds of parents at that time and grandparents for horses and buggies, maybe for trains which had come on, you know, locomotives which, which had come along a little further. But I remember my father telling me he grew up in Berlin in the 20, from the late 20s to the mid 30s, telling me that they did have taxis, that is to say, automobiles that for a price would take people from point A to point B. And what did they call them? And this was in a big cosmopolitan city of Berlin. They used to call them droszkas. Now, droszka is a Polish-Yiddish word for horse and buggy, I guess. It applied to travel by horse, equestrian, equestrian travel. But for a while, at least, when my father was a child, it was a term used to describe a taxi. Uh, we're coming up this year on the 60th anniversary of John F. Kennedy's assassination. It was a different America back then, a different world back then. In some ways better, in other ways worse. You could argue it both ways. Nevertheless, when JFK was sat in Dallas, shot in Dallas, and I was sitting in my chair in the second grade on a Friday afternoon, 
the news traveled across the country in minutes, if not seconds. It was actually, I think the assassination actually made it uh, onto live TV. By contrast, it took the Abraham Lincoln assassination, the news of that took a week to travel to every corner of the United States and territories. The print and newspapers had to be set by hand. Then the newspapers had to be um, delivered. The news traveled much slower. And today we, we get news with lightning rapidity. Not only that, if I hear a report coming out of uh, Russia and Ukraine, I can um, sit in front of my uh, pocket computer, and that's, you know, which you all call a telephone, and I can get the Russian side, I can get the Ukrainian side and the war between those uh, in the Russian invasion of uh, Ukraine. If America has a beef with North Korea, I can get their side and then look around for the point of view of uh, North Korean dissidents living abroad. Unbelievable. And I am old enough to look at these changes with wide-eyed wonder. One of my favorite sites, even though it's uh, censored as far as contemporary political news to more of an extent than I would like, is YouTube. And one of the things I like on YouTube is interviews with former American slaves, freed slaves from the time of slavery, most of those who survived to the era of the early era of talking pictures in the late 1920s or so were uh, pretty old by then. But oddly enough, they had an interview with a woman named Rebecca Latimer Felton. She was born in 1835, and she was the last slave owner to sit in, I think it was the U.S. Senate. It was like a symbolic appointment of one day. And she was a real study in contradictions. Uh, by today's political standards, she was considered a progressive feminist. She advocated women's right to an education, women's right to vote. She was also an advocate of prohibition. And that was, you know, the legal banning of alcohol. And that was actually a very common combination back in the day. But what really made this woman a study in a jarring contrast of views, she was also a passionate proponent of segregation and of lynching. Lynching being, of course, the uh, murder of someone 
for a crime, real or imagined, without a decent trial, without the benefit of, uh, of them defending themselves in a court of law. So the clip of this interview with Rebecca Latimer Felton, she was, it was in 1929. She was 94 years old. And it was basically, you know, small talk, expressing welcome to her guests. It's colorized, which gives it an immediacy that uh, you might not feel so much if you watch the original black and white. But when you hear somebody like that who, so, you know, Rebecca Latimer Felton, who was an advocate of lynching, and she sounds like a sweet old lady, uh, she's hospitable to her guests, she talks about her, I guess, more innocuous uh, civic activities in that uh, segment. She was... Uh, by appearances, just a pleasant old lady in the latter years of her life. From a linguistic point of view, it was interesting because this was a woman whose speech patterns had been shaped in the era before radio and television. She spoke English in one of the many southern accents that are getting harder and harder to find these days. And, of course, I find the interviews with uh, former slaves to be uh, endlessly fascinating. Not only like Mrs. Latimer Felton for their reflections on what the spoken English language was at that time in the South, but for their varied reflections on their um, life as human beings who are owned by other human beings. So, before the invention of photography, recording of the human voice, and talking pictures, that's what they were first called back in the days when they found a way to add um, sound to silent films. I think the most revolutionary human invention is the written word, starting with pictographs, hieroglyphics, and then working their way up to alphabets, which are just absolutely amazing. Uh, the re representation of the sounds of speech with letters. With the human ability to write and to print the spoken word. It is actually possible in a very real sense to live after one has passed away and to be where one is not. And uh, interestingly enough, when you look at old books, uh, there, sometimes an old book from say 1850 is in much better shape than a book from 18 say 1890, 1895, because the old books were printed on rag bond paper, where they would get, uh, I guess, mashed up textiles and they would uh, work that into paper. Then they found out it was much um, cheaper to print books on wood pulp paper.
where you make a, I guess, a basically a soup out of um, wood out from trees and pour it over a fine screen and create sheets of paper. It could be simplifying that a bit, but anyhow, the problem with uh, wood pulp paper is that it has, I think, sulfuric acid in it. It has an acid in it that is slowly activated by the moisture in the air. And if you have an old paperback book, quite often the pages will be turning to powder. You'll turn a page and it'll crack in your hand. It's brittle. The old books, some books are still printed on the more expensive and more durable paper. But it causes a lot of books to turn to dust. This new modern, cheaper paper. Of course, uh, a lot of books that are published nowadays, you could make the argument that they're turning to dust is not such a terrible thing. But that's another discussion. So, fast-forwarding a bit to the invention of the telephone, I remember uh, calling a friend in the United States from Europe back in the uh, 1970s, and a five-minute phone call cost about $10, and that was that was much bigger money back then than ten dollars is today and today uh, I I can speak to my children in Israel or my brother in Germany um, people who are visiting other countries and I can call them for free I can talk for an hour and a half if I feel like it to somebody around the world and it's just it's just amazing uh, how we are uh, brought together by uh, the wonders of technology. WhatsApp, phone calls, what have you. But, of course, we should use this for good things. I remember my um, fifth grade teacher lecturing the class because of some drama that had occurred between parents that uh, telephones made it much easier to spread gossip. And although she indulged in it frequently herself, this uh, uh, fifth grade teacher rightly condemned it when other people did it, you know, when other people gossiped. Back then, if you wanted to gossip with somebody in Europe or Japan or China, it was a very expensive proposition. You could say that there's a tariff on um, talking trash over to overseas. Today it's very cheap. That means we got to watch ourselves all the time. We can and should share good news. Births, weddings, etc. And uh, we should also, of course, uh, use the phone to help people get married put single people in touch with each other. I'm able to sit here on my so-called telephone and send money to people, pay my bills. I can also 
uh, make charitable donations. It's it, it's wonderful the potentials that our technology offers us is absolutely incalculable. Incalculable. Yeah, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Sometimes, you know, we take our country for granted. We take what we have for granted. And you speak to an immigrant and they see all kinds of opportunities that we might not ourselves see. As another perspective, when you speak with an older person who was around before many of the things we take for granted were invented, uh, there's something to be learned from their wide-eyed wonderment at the uh, new inventions that have so transformed our lives. So let's make sure that we use the gifts of our time, the technology we have, the cheap and easy communication we have, the streamlined flow of information. We should use that for good things to make our own lives better and to make lives better for other people. We should use it to educate ourselves and to help others who are in need and to be better citizens and human beings. So uh, I thank you uh, for listening to me. It's been a pleasure speaking with you all. This wraps up another weekly episode of Between the Presets. I thank you all for the pleasure of sharing with me my weekly muse. Whatever platform you access, hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a comment is much appreciated. My email address is thewinterriders at gmail.com. Thewinterriders at gmail.com. Until next week, adio, which in some African languages means born on Monday or be righteous, and closely resembles adios in Spanish.